Manor. Hello, welcome to Tip Manor Podcast. It's episode five of the 22-23 season. It's only been a couple of weeks since the last episode, but we've got a bumper pod today. And there's four of us, which is very exciting. Uh, you got myself, James. We've got John. We've got Jack. And Connor, you're back in action. How are you feeling? I'm back. It's been, it's been a long hiatus, but I'm happy to be back, as always, because I get to see your beautiful faces while we're recording this. And also, I get to talk about Oxford United with you as well, which is just you know the whole reason I joined this podcast in the first place. So I'm glad I'm back. Nice. Um, the only thing, Connor, is we've the rest of us have accidentally gone fully on brand. I've got my this yeah. season's home shirt with the BG, which I still hate, by the way. Unless, but do you reckon Bangkok glass is that famous in Thailand that people see the BG and know what's going on? Because they definitely don't know what's going on here, do they? I doubt it. Hmm. Jack, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I, I hate on the prominence you, of BG. <laughs> when you catch me off guard in the early bits, it's just downhill. I think people um, see through it. I'm opening you up for an anecdote. Oh, but that was very good, John. I don't, don't think that was appreciated. Sorry, John. Ha ha ha. Um, I don't have any anecdotes on it, but I, I don't think it looks very good. What shirt are you wearing? It's blocked by your microphone. Uh, the singer one. Okay, I like that. I think that's a. It's up there. It's up there. Connor's got his mug out. That's a good mug. Nice mug. Yeah, this is great for mug. all the listeners. Uh, John, is that a training shirt I see? Solid last season training kit. Black. Serious. How do you do? You go for runs in that? Do you wear it shopping? I, I have worn it shopping and met a fellow Oxford <laughs> fan whilst doing it. Um, no. Oh, talk about fellow Oxford fan. Shout out to the. Uh... To the lady I met in uh, at Wembley at work yesterday, who plays for the under twenty one Oxford ladies team. By the way, bumped into a, an Oxford United player yesterday. It's quite interesting. Avid Oxford United, avid to man a listener. She's wearing full uh, full not England kit, full Oxford kit. So I had to stop her and have a word. Uh, I didn't actually ask about the podcast, but I'm sure she is. I mean, she definitely is. I mean, who isn't? I mean, honest. you disappear from the pod for a few weeks and you forget you're even on it. I think that's it's quite that's true. a thing to bring up. Surely. It's not true. It's not, okay. It was a very short conversation, so I didn't have time to drop it in. But I'm sure she is. Everyone's right, well. an avid listener. Okay. We have got um, lots of stuff to do today. We've we've had uh, four games. We've won one, lost two, drawn one, had two red cards. Very exciting. Um, actually, since we've done the last pod, we had quite a few people get in touch, which was quite nice. And we'd appreciate people continuing to do that. It's always good to get feedback, whether it's happy or sad um someone came back and confirmed that the that picture of moose when he won player of the month when he was with the guy and i thought it was someone from my childhood um it turned out it was actually an ex commercial director at the club what was his name dave dave jackson or something yeah sorry like dave three jackson. or four people that like got in touch about that it was like the most audience participation ever well just people those people must think i'm ignorant because that guy must have been around for a while there you go. I also think um, there's a correlation between the nice comments that you've received because those nice comments have come around since I've not been on the podcast. <laughs> so maybe I should just leave now. No, I think I think you're all right. <laughs> you can stay. We'll see. The, the other bit of um, feedback we had, I like to talk about Mr. Mr. Mac uh, from my time at, at Charwell. But I referenced him wheeling out, like he was always that sub teacher that used to wheel out the TV 
and you'd be delighted when he was covering your class. But he went on to become deputy head at the school. So fair play, uh, Niall McWilliams. I may have um, not kind of served up your career profile adequately on the last pod. So if you're listening, which you sure are, I apologize. Um, right. What are we doing then? So we'll get on to news. Then we've got Exeter, Sutton, Peterborough, Portsmouth. We wouldn't. We don't always reference the pizza pot surprise, but um, we're going to talk about it a bit today for reasons. Uh, we'll we'll loop back round on the KR discussion and talk about where we're at now and kind of our predictions of what we needed from this kind of batch of four games. We'll look at the league. What what's going on across League One? Preview Bolton on Saturday, um, and then we'll kind of look at fixtures coming up in November. But just quickly wanted to start on the women's team because um, we haven't referenced this for a few weeks, but they're they're flying high in the league. They're second in the table, um, played eight, won five, just beat Portsmouth 2-0 in the last game out, who were a third place. So that's a good win. I didn't know. I don't know where you guys are at with the women's football pyramid, but I did some research trying to understand where they're at. But they came second last season, the Southampton got promoted to what is the women's championship. So obviously the second tier. So they're in the third tier and there's a North and South League, but they're doing well. They're doing well. Anyone been following? My nieces are still going. Well, they clearly managed to do something we couldn't do, which is beat Pompey. So, or, well, the men's team, sorry, not we. That would have been a good segue if I'd have kind of put this in the right order. <laughs> Thanks for that. James, but, power of editing. Yeah, there you go. But they're still um, they're still doing really well, and they're only a point off top, and that's Watford. So um, fingers crossed they keep pushing. Um, it's quite a timely, uh, a timely time to do a pod because we just had some survey results published from um, what the clubs about from the stadium side of things. So there were two surveys. One was a resident survey that they'd done, obviously focused around people around Kidlington, and then the other was a fan survey. And we probably haven't collectively had much time to digest all of this. But Jack, if we start with the um, the fans side of it, how have you seen how many responses? So it was um, just what 1,200 responses, of which 500 or so were season ticket holders. But maybe we would have hoped for a few more to be getting involved in this. Yeah, because the whole topic of the stadiums had a lot of discussion on the forums, the Twitter masses, etc. So then to only have, and I'm, put, I'm saying only because it feel, feels quite low considering our average home attendance, for example. And then if you link that to how many were season ticket holders, which is 539, of what have we got about 4,500 season ticket holders? So it's only slightly over 10% of season yeah. ticket holders responded, which feels quite low. And I know that, you know, everyone always points to online surveys kind of cutting out a, a reasonable amount of the the potential um, respondents, but even still, it feels quite low. Was there anything um, that stood out to people from, I guess the main, the thing that's important to the residents one, isn't it really, in terms of what's going to be probably taken forward into the the actual kind of planning process, whereas the the fan surveys, the stuff that's like, what, how, what do we actually want the project to be focusing on? Obviously, still really important, but the residents one probably holds a bit more um, criticality at this moment in time. I don't know, John or Connor, whether you've managed to dissect any of the stuff that's in there or have an opinion on it. I think I'd sort of step 
back slightly from it and think as ever i think the the graph and the map they've put out is quite powerful but i think it's it's interesting that it's come out now and it suggests that it's been it's all part of trying to provide evidence for other people to do something with which is which is interesting and i think it's really healthy to get newer surveys new data continually out on this on this sort of issue even though it's club run and you can poke and edge around the edges a bit it's still this is all about giving people who have to appear neutral evidence that yeah. there is support so i think i would just sort of look at the timing suggests something might be in the in the works in the near future as to why it's come out and two that it's you know it's presented very well as to what the local residents want um and it's clearly things that within reason can be delivered on so i, I sort of look at it from a step back rather than yeah. what it exactly no that, that's that's fair enough and it was they they ha- handed out seven thousand leaflets they were hand delivered to all the addresses in the area again about 10 percent response rate um the key focus areas as you can imagine a kind of transport and parking um which was the main the main thing where the feedback was coming back on and then the the other the second thing in kind of both surveys was actually the sustainability of the project and obviously pr- protecting the kind of green space around the stadium and making it better um but yeah i thought i it, like you say john i think it's just good to that this stuff is getting published um and it should just be at you know regular occurrences where we're seeing this type of stuff come out and it's not you get this done and then you you kind of brush your hands and move on um it's going to be a constant thing yeah i, f- I find the the time scale of the surveys quite interesting because both of them were relatively short they were like a month long give or take so they didn't really actually provide much time for people to even knuckle down and actually respond to the survey anyway, regardless of whether they were from, you know, leaflets related or online survey. I think they were all, they were all online surveys, weren't they? Both of them were, but obviously mm. one of them, the uh, the resident survey received handouts. I do find it quite a short period of time. Of course, I imagine some of the findings from these short-term surveys must have been linked to a certain step in negotiations going forward. Um, and informing certain certain like decision pathways, but I think, given how short they are, I don't actually think they offer much insight at all. To be honest with you, and given the fact that they are such low response rates, I really do think this will have to be something that will be carried out again. Um, and perhaps what they should do is think about the questioning, the line of questioning, and stop making it so broad. Start to narrow things down a little bit more, because I just think at this stage. The, the lack the lack of the lack of data that they have to be honest with you it is because one thousand two hundred twenty six response from a fan survey to me is not remotely representative of our football club. Yeah. Um, they're going to have to find alternate measures of how they're actually going to be able to do this because if online surveys is their only approach, then maybe they should think again because they're not hitting half of the demographics of our supporters and then they're not, therefore not having their say. So I'm not convinced it's a particularly beneficial or even worthwhile endeavour unless they change their approach and that goes for both the club and the the resident survey as well because Kidlington is a huge place and has a lot of people in it and if they're only getting 601 responses I mean sorry 716 to the where I got that number from um <laughs> seven I've got read um 716 responses out of a uh, is it 17,000 people that live in Kidlington or something like that isn't it so you know that's uh 
it's a very poor show in that sense. So I think both parties are going to have to change their their approach to this. I, I think if they actually want some data they can rely on. Yeah, I do wonder if there's any threshold that you have to meet before something's just deemed like an in like an invalidated survey or something like that or the data quality is not there so they kind of write it off and have to go again but it'd be yeah i'm sure all data is put forward towards the whole process but it's just yeah to your point whether or not they need to slim down the line of questioning to get a broader response rate but we'll have to i'm sure there'll be feedback on that yeah this won't be the last we've seen this definitely not i don't think so connor no. no i don't think so the stadiums it's not the end well, not the stadium, um, I meant the surveys. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not the end of the stadium already. It's not even begun. Um, right, moving on. FA Cup draw, we got Woking away. It doesn't feel like too long ago when we were playing playing them reasonably regularly. Uh, only real link player-wise, Kieran Lofthouse is in their side, playing him on Sunday the 6th of November. Um, was, this, was it Woking away where there was a bit of a t- problem with getting tickets and stuff? There was lots of chat on twitter but i didn't really rope myself into it because i'm not going but yeah there was a an issue with certain fans being able to get tickets who were season ticket holders and others couldn't who were also season ticket holders certain numbers were working and others weren't my uh my neighbor and also my dad were caught up in that debacle did your dad go in uh yeah okay where is woking south Uh, sorry yeah sorry where's sorry (laughs) <laughs> it's like sorry. Crawley. I, I forget that you lot are like up north now. Oh, I'm obviously back in Oxford. But it's like towards London, isn't it? So it's uh, it's about an hour. hour and Name another place in Surrey. Someone. Guildford. Name another one. I don't know. I'm not. I think Crawley's. I think Crawley's. I said Crawley is like there. Gatwick. Yeah. Crawley. Okay. Yeah, Gatwick. It's all that. Get yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It's kind of that. Yeah. That direction. All right. Good geography chat. Geography. I was going to say, none of us did geography at A-level, did we? I did. I, I did, didn't yeah. do very well. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's not what geography is, though. You only get a fucking exam that says, where's Woking? It's whoa, all about, whoa, like... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Language, James. It's all about rocks instead of where Woking Question is. Question six. <laughs> where is where Woking? Is, where is Woking? Um, it's all about soil. Rivers. Erosion. Right, let's let's move on. <laughs> move on, James. I think we actually the next section's on the glacial erosion, so we're that's a great segue. <laughs> um Woking a sixth in the conference, uh doing all right. So it probably isn't gonna be a walkover. And then when you think about how the game went at Sutton, who obviously a league above, but you know, it's something we're gonna have to be cautious of. But we'll get we'll get to that in a minute. Um new contract for Tyler Goodrum. Anyone want to jump in there? Say some things, Jack. Please, I didn't it. Considering he's probably had more game time so far than he might have expected, um, and they've deemed him, you know, he's been around the first team squad probably a couple of seasons now, really. So the fact they've offered him one so early into his kind of final year is positive, and hopefully he can continue to get game time, um, even if it's not with our first team, but maybe get a decent loan spell. Um, to get some, you know, a real run of games. So it's a two-year contract with an option for a third. Connor, you've probably seen him more than the rest of us in person. So what's your mm-hmm. take? Yeah, totally agree. I think it was it's only a good thing. It's it's a positive step forward for the club, as we always know, or as we know with 
with our our model. We definitely like to develop younger talent, and of course, one that comes through the academy is you know hitting all the or ticking all the boxes. So yeah, I think Tyler's deserved it. He he has played well when he's come on um, and when he has featured. Um, and I think as a nineteen year old at this level, I think he he's only going to develop and, and learn a lot more quite quickly playing in League One. I mean, you've only got to see how he performed last night when he came on. You know, it's a rough and tumble, rough and tumble league, and a player like him, you know, he's um, he's very skillful. He's very good on the ball. He's also his movement off it's quite good as well. So I think I think he will develop quite well. And, and like you say, if if things don't work out, then you know, with a, with the length contract that he's got, he has an option to go out on loan, come back and potentially make an impact. So um, I think it's all around positive for the club and also for him as well. That's the So that is a good positive take. John, what are, what are your feelings? Do you think he's going to get enough of a chance come January to find his feet at Oxford in League One? Or do you think he's going to have to, to Connor's point there, go somewhere else to get proper minutes and game time? I think he'd have to settle for kind of impact sub for most of the season. I think that's the sad thing in a way is that the window for some of these type of players, particularly in his sort of mould, to kind of crack through is quite short, it always seems. Um, but he has hit the ground running as best as you probably can do. It's um, But the thing is, he probably wouldn't have had as many opportunities if we weren't quite on form and if we had a fully fit squad. So, yeah, there's, he's got a chance. I, I think you've sadly got to not get too excited because it just does seem so brutal. Yeah, I'm... I'm still burnt from Aaron Woodley and getting excited about youth players that never quite make it. Is, ba- is Baptiste the last proper academy person that's come through that's really shone quickly and is then... Hey, I suppose, was it quick with Shandon? He kind of was in and out a bit, wasn't he? And then eventually yeah, was, stayed. He played like 50 games for us. So. But I mean more like the period of him getting that consistent time in the team. Like how long do, I'm, I'm trying to think of how in, in my head it's like he came in then he just stayed there but he had that presence about him which that's what you think that's for me that's kind of the first sign with some of the youngsters and you sort of do see that fairly that confidence yeah um i think that's the thing for me it's like i now expect before players are like 20 21 they're they've already shown that they're ready if that makes sense but maybe that's harsh in today's world well, that, but no, but that is the kind of mark is that they you do hear a lot of players saying, oh, I'm 21, 22 and I'm not playing. And that's starting to get to the point where you could end up on the on the scrap heap by 23, 24. So, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, other, so Josh Johnson was another one that's been tipped for, for good things and we thought he'd be st- sticking around the squad potentially this year as well. But he's gone out to Dartford uh, in the Conference South. I think they were second in the Conference South. I might be making that up. No, it's right. Um, so that's on a month's loan. I've seen he's already played a couple of games for them, but was subbed on both occasions um, after starting. And then Slavy Spazov, again, another like hot prospect, obviously has played in the Paint Pot Surprise on occasion and some of the cup competitions, but he's gone to Banbury, who are doing, who definitely were doing well um, right at the top in the Conference North, but they've they've had a a tougher run of the results of late, but they're still still doing well, eighth in the league. So um be interesting to see how he gets on again with straight in their lineup. The most important thing is that they're getting minutes, Jack, isn't it? Um but is Johnson's one we were pretty excited about, I think. Yeah, well, we've stuck him on a pro contract, haven't we? So I think he's one as 
that's been given a kind of pathway towards the first team. And I think the loan spell is kind of the next step on that path. Um, Spazov's had kind of a couple of seasons worth of injuries. So um, he kind of needed a loan to get some game time again. I, I think his time's probably gone. I'd be very surprised if he's on loan in Conference North and then actually pushing for a first team place before his contract's up at the end of this year. So um, it might be that he's he's one that needs to drop into a lower league for longer to try and yeah. come back. Um, I noticed Scarborough were in the Conference North. I didn't know that had happened. Like They'd created a club and had stormed back up the leagues. That's old school. It's like 90s football with Neil Warnock. Uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Greening is their manager. Really? Yeah. So there you go. There's your 90s throwback link. That's great. I wonder if there's any other clubs we can have fun with. You don't uh, live too far away, James. You go watch them. I know, yeah. Spenny Moore? No idea what that is. Spenny Moore, anyone? West Yorkshire. Question no. seven in the geography <laughs> exam. West Yorkshire? I feel we're not going to reach the heights of last pod. Catching <laughs> <laughs> right, straws after 20 minutes. <laughs> Just trying to uh, see if there's anyone else. That's I think we should move on to yeah, the next cutting yeah, edge news. Yeah, the next cutting edge news is massive as well. This is, this is a big. Oh one. yeah, shit! This is great. Trevor Kettle <laughs> is now in charge of refereeing in India. Um, what's his his official title? I did some LinkedIn stalking. I haven't been at work this week, so I had a bit of spare time. I went Clearly. on his linked LinkedIn profile. So he's the chief refereeing officer, which he's put in block capitals. Um, <laughs> For the India Football Federation, fully responsible for the development of football referees within India across the whole spectrum of football, up to and including elite level. Um, I, I, I did I'd love to have been in the interview process for that. <laughs> Trevor, we've did... heard great things <laughs> but from your mum. We've been on social media, and uh, is there another Trevor Kettle in England? Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, not that one. He was in um, the RAF since 1993. He spent 10 years. No, no, the public need to know. Um, He he spent 10 years as an air traffic controller um, in the RAF before going on to an HR role and then was, it's like similar to you, John, airport operations as well. Maybe next time you see him, you can chat to him about that. I don't try and tar me with the kettle rush. Do you know what I did find interesting, though? Whilst he was doing his air traffic controller role, he started refereeing. <laughs> so halfway through that, he started being a ref. So it's in- I don't know. It looked like he was with the RAF for most of his um, career as a ref as well, which so, I didn't know so, there was a thing. So the ref was in the rough? The ref was in the rough. That's well, great. The, uh, his refereeing career really took off. Um, John, what do you reckon? What do you- <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Jack's reaction. <laughs> John, uh, run away. Come on. What do you think? The um, I'm back on the pod. All the Tre- Trevor Kettle's top tips will be to some of the refs in uh, India, John, on the spot. Um, I think he's just going to go more of like a sort of a guru, sort of silent wisdom type of approach. As in say nothing. Yeah. He's just going to yeah, do okay. it on presence alone. We were saying, I, I put in the notes that we should keep an eye on the levels of stress-based anxiety admissions into hospitals across India over the coming weeks as football fans see the style of refereeing change 
across their clubs, but I'll have to see. Anyway, sorry, Trevor. <laughs> I'm sure you're a keen listener. Um, that was great fun for us, but there you go. Um, on to the football then. So it's quite nice actually to start with Exeter because when we did the last pod, I think we, so we predicted that we would get four points from the run of games that was Exeter, Peterborough, Pompey and Bolton. But we did say, I think a couple of us said that maybe we felt the win would come at Exeter and then it would be a struggle from there. And it seems to kind of be playing out in that way. Um, Bulldog was on the bench. He was unused and then obviously subsequently got injured again. Um, the weirder one is Josh Murphy, Jack, isn't it? Like where he seems to kind of dip and dive in and out of the squad where KR comments on his fitness, but then he's not fit and he is and he's not. And then he plays a little bit and then he goes away and he's not in the squad for the next one. It's just a bit confusing. Well, there's, <clears throat> there's just no consistency with the the line that is given about him. So originally he, he allegedly arrived fit. And then it was, oh, no, he didn't arrive fit, so we're going to have to manage his game time after playing him against Cambridge. They disappeared again for a while. And then he, he came on at Exeter, didn't he? So we got a few minutes, and then now it's, oh, we need to manage him properly again, which to me suggests we probably shouldn't have brought one against Exeter and we rushed him back. But, it yeah, you'd, you'd think we just wanted to get it right rather than put him in and out. Yeah, he looked good. For the moments that I saw him, he created a chance. I think it was Joseph. He created a tap-in for him um, at one point, second half. But yeah. Um, goals were good, weren't they? Cambran free kick. Tasty. I love those little kind of ones where they roll it, roll it off, someone stops it, and then you shoot. There's no draft um, extractor behind the wall, or whatever it's called. No, I enjoyed it. Oh, some of the extra players looked like statues afterwards as well, just trying to work out what happened, which was um, quite enjoyable. Textbook strike though, wasn't it, Phil Cameron? It was nice. No backlift, just beautiful. He's had a couple, a couple of decent free kicks now, hasn't he? This season in away games. Um, Where was the other one? Cheltenham, wasn't it? That was absolutely unbelievable. That one. Um, Then we had a bit of a scrappy goal from a set piece. Sam Long prodding in, and then um, Carl Joseph. It's quite a weird goal, Joseph's first one. He kind of drove from deep, didn't he? And it kind of opened up for him and then he had a bit of a deflected shot from far out. But again, just showed his his kind of work rate and everything else. And then we've obviously got another goal to talk about from him from yesterday. But he's starting to look like a player, Connor, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. I think um, he's be- he's beginning to actually kind of... When I see his name on a team, sh- team sheet, he encourages me, especially... Recently, where he's been playing off the right, because I think he's he's so effective at drifting inside and, and winning winning long balls that we've been playing forward as well. He offers a bit more physicality to what Taylor's had. His work rate is absolutely second to none, and I don't think any Oxford fan can criticise his work rate. He stands out head and shoulders above quite a lot of other players on the pitch. To be honest with you, with the way he closes the ball and the way he presses, his angles on his press are quite good as well. So, and in front of goal, he's now starting to score. You know, he scored six this season, hasn't he? So he's already scored the most goals he's ever scored in a league campaign for any other club. I think I'm right in saying that. Um, so he's, nice. um, he's you know, he's coming on leaps and bounds. So I, I think he's definitely an asset. It's just, it's almost a shame that the rest of the squad aren't playing as well as he is. John, do you think the fact he's played on the right, as Connor said, down the middle, slightly behind in a 10 and everything else is good for his development like where do you see do you think he needs to be given a chance to just the main man down the middle yeah i mean it, it, 
It surprises, I mean, jumping ahead, it surprises us all that against Pompey, you didn't, he wasn't straight down the middle. And it, I suppose in a way, he's not a sort of hang around the box, kind of short 10 yard run type of player. So I suppose a bit wider does make the best out of his attributes, talking it through out loud. Um, but equally, he, can, he runs into the channels and breaks off quite well. It, it, it all comes back to what's the midfield doing if he's going to peel off to either either side if he's going through the middle. So, yeah. Um, but no, I thought he was. Um, was it a bit of a super toe poke? Is his finish, or was it kind of like which of... one, the Pompey one? No, the the first one against Exeter. No, it was just it was a slightly scuffed, but not really. Yeah. Shot. It got a little bit of a nick on the way. Part. I thought the extra keeper had a terrible game, <laughs> to be fair. But it was um, regardless. I think Kr referencing like after the game that they were trying to tell him to get more shots off, anyway. And that was. I think it was on his weak foot. But was it? I was actually the reason I mentioned the thing about playing down the middle is his second goal was following in from a strike from Henry maybe, in the second uh, half Rennigan. and the keeper. Was it Brannigan? The keeper parried it. No, sorry. It was no, Brannigan, yeah. Brannigan fell over long. just long, before. Sorry, yeah. It was long. But um, keeper parried it and he followed in from quite a difficult angle, um, notched the goal. And that's you kind of need that from your centre forward, don't you? Who's always kind of sniffing around there. And the fact is, in the first half, Henry did a beautiful cross from the deep from deep on the right. And had, Joseph had made a great run. He was yeah. just in acres of space. That, and he just headed it straight at the keeper. That was proper um, James Henry. Yeah, it was... Half. It was class and then the set in the second half you referenced josh murphy but he cut down the left and played it across for a pretty much a tap in on the edge of the six yard box and he just kind of arrived a bit too quick and couldn't control the finish but he could have had four goals pretty easily and i liked the fact that he was busy in and around the six yard box as well as seeing him kind of driving from deep as well but so i think we've got a real definitely seems to be the plan the signing of the the summer um, in comparison to the other stuff that we've got going on, um, so we obviously go four four nil up at that point. Game pretty much won. It's been much talked about already, but you can kind of afford at that stage to kind of drop off a little bit. Jack, their second goal was the one that was quite funny, wasn't it? It was Findlay and uh, Moore getting confused, and then Eastwood came out a bit and then kind of tapped it in. It's a bit sad, but I didn't really care to be honest at that point. No, it, it it wasn't great from anyone involved, really, was it? But luckily, it was too late to cause any real panic stations because I think if it had been maybe fifteen minutes earlier, we would have probably panicked. Yeah, slightly, slightly jumping back, their first goal was the one that enrages me, and we've seen it four or five times where it's the ball kind of goes down either channel, gets played pretty easily across, and ends up with an opposition player kind of around the edge of the penalty box, bang in the middle, and they just score. Same with Peterborough. And it's happening quite a few times. Like the Findlay one snaps the cock up. Um, yeah. But it's the inability of either the centre-backs to stay on their striker who drops off, or the defensive midfielders to pick up the gap. It's just kind of, that's a definite issue. It happens over and over again. What was the game? Who does Mawson play? It was Wickham as well, wasn't it? Where there was a player just unmarked back in the centre, but a slightly different type of goal. Connor, what's your view on the um, on Findlay? Uh, I just... I just say I'm asking I, I have, because we've talked about it, but I'm just curious. 
I haven't, do you know, I'm still undecided on him. Well, in one sense, I've decided on him. I've decided he can't play football with his feet. That's one thing I've decided about him. He definitely is not a replace, a like-for-like replacement of a player like McNally, for example. He's a different type of player. Defensively, you have seen certain parts of his game that are very good. Like, airily, I think he's very good. And I also think, you know, he's a very strong, he's a strong tackler, but there are at times where his some of his laps in concentration are costing us dearly. I do think he looks a lot better with Elliot Moore alongside him, though. Um, mm. I think yeah. since Moore's come back, he has definitely made Finley a better player. Um, and yes, I still like that he's a left-sided centre-back at playing on the left side. Unfortunately, he's his right foot's about as good as mine, um, and I'm left-footed. Um, so, you know... I'm still on the fence with him. Do I think he's a, a League One quality centre-back? Yes. Do I think he would progress to be anything better than that? Probably not. And that's where I find it slightly upsetting that, that you know, someone like McNally walked out or, you know, was sold, given his potential. Um, obviously, I understand the reason why he was sold. Of course, I'm not that naive. But I just think potentially... You know, I don't think he's filled. He's not filled the void. He's not filled the same player profile as what we lost. Um, Jack, and I do think we're suffering a little bit because of that. Jack, what were you going to chip in with there? I was just going to say that I think I agree with Connor that Finley's looked a step above when Moore's next to him. And it's a shame that Moore missed, was it five games? So they're still having to kind of learn each other's game. Um, and we're, what, 14 games into the season? But I thought they them as a pair last night in particular, were really good. Mm. Um, they, the fact they can now build this partnership, and they're a bit—they're both quite physical. They're a bit rough, rough, yeah. rough boy centre backs in that sense. Like Finley was quite happy to take a book in last night for just pulling someone back on the counter. I don't mind that if he's going to do that. Um, I think we've been spoiled by having the likes of Atkinson, Dickie, McNally, and we said it before that they were very good footballing centre backs. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I have expected Finley to be that, so I'm not too kind of disappointed. Um, but I think he's slowly improving. I think coming from Scottish football to American football to uh, back to England is probably an interesting way of doing things. So, you know, he, he looks to be getting better, so I'll, I'll take that. John, would you have rather had a 2-0 win at Exeter or the 4-2? Oh, I always go 4 because... Good. Why not? I just saw other people saying too, and I was like, "Well, considering we're like the lowest scorers in the league, I was so happy to get four goals." Um, but yeah, there you go. Anyway, on to um, like we said, we kind of didn't even bother talking about the Chelsea under twenty ones game in the pizza pot surprise, but we had a really what you could describe as a strong lineup given the opposition for this one. So we had. McGinty came in who's kind of fallen a little bit off the radar obviously with um, Eastwood um, keeping that place and seemingly doing all right Um, Seddon Finley Moore and Anderson and we have we've seen a little bit of Anderson but it hasn't looked great so far we'll get on to that and then Bowden McGuane Gorin came in for some rare start and Goodrun Taylor and Joseph up top, so you kind of looked at the lineup, and you, I paid more attention to the match as a result of seeing that, um, but nothing seemed to happen. I followed the commentary. We had um, Ben Perkis 
on the commentary roster. Me and Jack were just talking about this before, but um, just trying to work out what the criteria is uh, to make it on the OUFC co-coms. Basically, you have to be a fullback of the club who's played roughly 20 to 30 games. So we're trying to work out who's next, but I can't think. Maybe Damien Bat. he played a few more games. He could talk about his prestige worldwide or whatever his company was called. Tom Newey, just for Connor. Yeah. David Anyone Hunt. else? Hunt, yeah, Hunt, Hunt was quite well spoken. Phil, Phil, what's his? What was his? Phil something? Edwards, Edwards, Phil Edwards, Riccardini, yes. Riccardinio. That would be that. Great. Would, that would go down well. Anyway, well, if Jerome's listing, then maybe he can make, hook some of that stuff up and keep the <laughs> keep the vibes going. Um, but yeah, Kr basically said before the Sutton game that they had a target from the board to reach the next stage. So maybe that's why we saw the strength in the lineup. But um, yeah, just a bit of a shocking performance. And you'd say, Jack, that like this was an opportunity for your Seddons and Andersons and everyone else, to be honest, to stake more of a claim in, in the side. But it's just, we're out and they're not, you know, they're going to struggle to get the minutes as a result. Yeah, I think the fullbacks in particular were the ones that you would have hoped would have impressed given... Well, Seddon started the season as first-choice left-back. Anderson's obviously come in. And we know it's a bit of a bizarre transfer. You know, we've signed from Lazio, for God's sake. But, um, but yeah, by all accounts, neither of them particularly impressed. Gorin seemed a little bit off the pace, which is a concern, given we've talked about the, the defensive midfield role numerous times already this season. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of a, a, a concerning... Maybe not so much a result because I'm not too bothered about that t- that tournament, but the performance and the general post-match apathy around the performance was a concern and certainly didn't set us up to go into the Peterborough game full of confidence. Yeah, it is a worry, John, with Gorin, isn't it? Because you could say with the situation with Bowden being out for two games, if Gorin was hitting the mark, he could drop into the middle of a three with McGuane and Brannigan ahead of him and you'd be thinking that's absolutely fine. But now he's off the pace. He's not looked good. Yeah, doesn't I mean, seem like it's an option. If we were all doing our sort of ideal lineups, and we talked about it a bit in a couple of pods ago, Goru would definitely be in contention. All right, KR seems to, well, definitely likes McGuane in that defensive midfield role. But you do get the sense that Gorin's not where we need him to be. And that brings him wider questions back to the transfer strategy side of things. Um, but he does, yeah. It's he doesn't seem to be like he's where we need him to be, or he no doubt wants to be, which is which is a sad, sad thing really, because um, he's a great player on his on his day, within limit. Yeah, Connor, anything to say about Sutton away? No, <laughs> I didn't watch it, so I don't really have any comments other than the fact no, that was... uh, yeah. We lost. The final point <laughs> on it would be for a team that should be so desperate for momentum, and obviously we put out a strong team to perform like that. I thought was quite telling. That's what. That's all I took. No, I think that's a very very good cynical. Point. No, but that is the point that kept on getting made afterwards. It's like surely that that the squad needs that injection of enthusiasm to be like this here's your opportunity for five or six of you to stake a claim and the rest of you that's still on the side, let's get on a, let's get on a run. Um, Particularly after the the performance at Exeter. Yeah, exactly. And 
if you're Matty Taylor as well, playing down the middle and your only other goals come in this competition, you've got to try and do something, you know, it's not obviously all on Matty, but as a, as a team, it was just a crap performance and didn't deserve anything out of it. And then we went on to, did you go to Peterborough, Connor? I did. Yes. So, Unfortunately, I did. Weird game. And John, you were on, wasn't Very it, the game afterwards, and we, but we watched it together. And um, it was just two football matches kind of in one where the first kind of two thirds of the game were obviously 11 v 11 um, before Taylor got sent off just before the 60th minute. But Peterborough early on, they got their first goal sixth minute and that was after we um, seemingly took, Bowden had that shot, didn't he, from outside the box and it was instantly like flagged offside. I'm guessing yeah. it was the Taylor kind of interfering with the keeper's eye line or yeah, something. It was one of those where it was it was fair enough. Taylor was offside. It was just a shame for Bowden because it would have been nice for him to have got that got that goal. Obviously, he scored later on. Um, yeah, I mean, some people have kind of sort of poo pooed Peter a bit, but I thought broadly they were just quicker, more dynamic, anticipated better, more physical, recycled the ball better. They looked than us. they looked like massive. They yeah. looked like units when we when we saw them coming out. We were like, "Fucking hell!" They looked like a big side. Um, on on exactly. the turnover, they were very effective. Yeah, exactly. And we weren't covering our defence properly. Just looked unbalanced as we always do in midfield. And we're just when we got the ball, we're a bit laboured. So I was a bit like, "This is very painful," and lends to the underlying problem. Down their left as well, it was yeah. noticeable. Like they just kept first yeah. half, kept on flying down the left and exposing acres yeah. of space. That's where um, their goals come from as well, wasn't it? What was their first? Yeah, so their first goal, like you were saying earlier, John, was very similar to that Exeter yeah. first ne- goal. Nearly identical. Like, yeah, the late run from the midfield player. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was just a great finish. You could, see it, you could see it coming. I mean, I was sat um, south stand lower to the to the left of the dugout as you look at the look at the dugouts and you can literally see the move progressing on the count on the count well it was kind of like a semi count it was not a turnover but you know we still had players in positions to to intercept the ball even before it was delivered across the face of goal pretty much um but we were so standoffish for that goal again no one really kind of got tight um and again the yeah. late run was so hard to pick up um and ultimately he snuck in you know basically between the two center halves almost um fired past Eastwood it was a good goal but you could see it coming you could see the move developing and thinking I, I could see Taylor number eight just on you know making that late run and you just knew exactly what was going to happen yeah and um their second goal I remember just constantly shouting afterwards in the, <laughs> with the replay they just kept on they went down the right they had to go down the right they recycled possession two or three times and they were like right switch it to the left we'll have a go down the left tried that a couple of times and then we were just struggling to pick up all their players and their movement was really good and it ended up again, they had a player on the edge of the box in acres of space to, it was kind of like a Bowden-esque left-footed Bowden last season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Finish. And um, great. We do concede a lot of goals, Jack, from outside the box from that kind of position, don't we? Didn't I saw someone share some stats that Eastwood was lowest in terms of shots faced versus saves made or something like that in the whole league at one point is that he, yeah he, he's in the bottom few um but i don't think it's about who's in goal we've we, we've conceded shots from 
the edge of the box for quite a few seasons now. And I can never, again, it goes back to John's point about is it the way our defensive midfielder doesn't get to his opposing man on the box? Is it something to do with how the back four get dragged out so that the, these shots are able to take place? Um, but yeah, there, there is a more than average amount that end up in the back of the net and you can't put it down to, oh, it's just Eastwood because Stevens did it. And I think, you know, even other keepers prior to that we've had on loan and things have conceded from distance. So maybe it's just a magnet in our net or something that attracts the ball. <laughs> That's what we've come to, Magnus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're all chase. <laughs> yeah, um, basically. So we went in at halftime, rippling the booze coming out. Um, and then we kind of got into him early second half and got the got the goal after... Actually, we should mention, sorry, Peterborough had another goal disallowed, didn't they, just before halftime. And I didn't really know what it was for at first, but... What was it? Was it offside? It was offside, wasn't it? It was offside, yeah. But regardless, it was one of them where you kind of like, well, that's if there's ever a warning that you don't really deserve to be back in this game, that's it. And then um, came out and really pushed on. Obviously got that goal, a bit of a scrappy one again. We won a couple of headers. Bowden headed it in. And then the moment of uh, much debate. We were still talking about this on the Yorkshire Yellows WhatsApp group. I mean, well into this week about whether Taylor's sending off was a was a red but um connor you were there you've watched it back don't well, actually weren't you saying you wanted to run on the pitch and i don't know have you seen so, it back now so how are you feeling yeah so on um because because now i'm teaching quite a lot i lost my voice during the week so it got to thursday and i was really struggling with my voice i barely had any voice and i had, frankly friday i wasn't teaching so i was like right yeah. be good to yourself Saturday I also thought to myself right, I'm going to the football try not to get irate just you know let things go keep the voice you know don't you don't preserve want to, don't want to the beautiful preserve it. Connor voice yeah because I needed it for, I needed, for the podcast and needed it for work right and I was like right, calm down I was absolutely livid with that red card decision at the time Definitely. you must have had a good view you're close it was uh, yeah it was and there was it looked well, look, put it this way, and I think most people would see it this way, even if you are a Peterborough fan. Matty Taylor should not have reacted the way he did. However, he was fouled before he reacted. So the referee let that go first. He was this, I can't remember who it was, the player who he actually had the rough and top. Was it Taylor? Was it number eight? Taylor? Ronnie Edwards, wasn't it? Oh, okay, okay. Edwards. So. He was absolutely all over him. And it wasn't the first time in the game he was all over him either. Matty Taylor was basically being, you know, trampled on. And the, the arms are everywhere, pulling across his chest and pulling his shirt and all the rest of it. And then Matty turns around and reacts almost instinctively to just kind of push just him get away. Off like, get, get off me. Get off me. Yeah, get off me. That was his reaction. But in 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 live terms, when I first saw it, it just looked like he turned around and pushed him, but literally just like put two arms out and just pushed him. And that was obviously... When I watched it back, they looked like there was a sense of an elbow in there, but I'm not particularly sure it was an intentional one, if that. And I just couldn't believe when he got sent off. I just only... honestly couldn't. Be. And then re- the reaction as well from the Peterborough players after it, and then uh, Elliot Moore, because if, if anyone was going to get sent off, I thought it was Elliot Moore. The way, it, the way Elliot Moore s- stormed into that crowd of players, I mean, obviously he's a big lad and he sticks out like a sore thumb anyway, but 
Christ, he, he wasn't very happy with it either. So I just I think everyone in the stadium was was really on the referee's back after that, and I do think the referee had an extremely poor game. Yeah. Like, across the board before before this even happened he was atrocious he, and it just he, goes to prove that the level of officiating in this league is horrendous this is a, a referee with championship experience the, the main thing that got me is there is a bit of a contact potentially with his elbow with matty's elbow but at that point the guy is about two to three foot off the ground because he's lunging so matty can't have really known where he's trying to probably use yeah. his arms to like jostle position and then you're right. The only real main contact is that chest height where he's pushing him. But there are still Oxford fans that are kind of saying he's still giving the, the referee a decision to make. But at the same time, the, the main thing, and I think any if this was against us or for us, I think most football fans as well would think the same. The referees give it's a more controversial decision to give a red for that straight, than it is to give red as well yeah it's a much more controversial to say. as a referee if i'm on that pitch i'm thinking uh, i could just do i give a red card or do i give a yellow surely you just don't give the red if you're not 100 percent sure you don't yeah. give the red card it's just far well, more look, controversial look what way the game went after that it completely like discipline fell to pieces and everyone was just kicking the proverbial out of each other the ref was like i'm just not gonna give free kicks anymore and it just became Bedlam. Um, That's the point. That back it, to the football was that yeah. uh, after that decision, the game was just gone. The, the narrative for KR was set up to the fact we could have been three nil down at half time was kind of out the window to a to a large extent. Although I actually thought the phone in on Radio Oxford was the best I've heard for a long time with sensible, you know, people calling up and actually saying you need to focus on the kind of shortcomings of the performance before that moment to to an extent and not just rely on talking about the refereeing decision. The character of the team, though, Jack, after that red card was great, but it looked like Peterborough just didn't know whether to stick or twist, and that was more why that we were then coming on to them as we were. Yeah, I think it was the classic, and we saw it a little bit last night as well, when you're playing a team with 10 men who were, you know doing one or the other, i.e. we were having to chase that game against Peterborough, whereas last night we were having to, you know, it was clear in both games what we were having to do. And like you say, Peterborough weren't sure whether they were coming or going. And actually, on another day, the Marcus Brown chance goes in, you know, the was, I think it was Edwards again who got a block or however yeah. he out. On another day... Half clears it and it falls to someone else. Oh yeah, it, it went past kind of, the keeper, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's one of them. It could have hit. Yeah. It could have hit. So it just you know the, that was about the only way it wasn't going to go in. The kind of contact he got on it. Um, so yeah, and like you say, the narrative the narrative was written for KR around the referee around the red card. But if you play a first half like that against a team like Peterborough, you. You two nil down at half time. You, you you just don't give yourself a chance, which for me was the main narrative of the day, not anything else. Yeah. Do, did you think Connor Kr kind of sarcastically clapping the ref and all that stuff is that good? I mean, I, at the time I was kind of bought into it and laughing, but at the same time, on reflection, I was a bit like, I don't know. I I personally don't mind it because I just think I just think it adds a little bit of drama to the fixture anyway of of any football team because at the end of the, the day 
Yeah, it does. I mean, I mean, perhaps maybe not the greatest time for KR to be doing it because I think some people are actually on his back, so they might think that you know he's acting a little bit out of well, not out of character, but out of line doing that sort of thing. Um, I personally don't mind it. It's if I was a football manager, I think I'd be exactly the same because you know sometimes you just think, how on earth do these people actually get away with stealing a living if that's the performance that they end up, you know, showing on a week to week basis because it's just atrocious. The referee really was horrendous. So I can see why he's getting berated by by the manager. I know if I was in his boots, I'd be doing the same thing. I think if I was him, I would have been sent off. I'm surprised yeah. KR wasn't, to be honest. John, just again, you were in all the post-match stuff. Do you think that there's enough acknowledgement from Mr. Robinson about tactics, shape, approach? Because it's, it's all, I don't know. I think he came, I was just looking through some of his post-match kind of reaction stuff, but um, it always feels like the people talking about the formation, the shape, what what the fullbacks do and everything else is is the pundits and everyone else and not, not Carl. He seems to sort of continually go down this route of, it's almost like it's kind of, like it's trying to sort of build a siege mentality of people don't think we're trying and... Um, and looking at, I mean, and then the bizarre comments about how we were the better team. It's always like, well, we were actually the better team, but certain things didn't didn't play out. When I was kind of, I was wincing through his interview, um, mainly because he was just doubling down, tripling down on his comments about the the referee. But I think he's, it's a tricky balance for him because he's talking to lots of different audiences at the same time. Yeah, but equally. He doesn't. He's got to realise that certain things he says enrages the fan base that still is a big contingent of what sets the mood and space around the place. So it was just. A, it was a bit. It was an appalling post-match interview. Really, as bad as the referee was. I mean, I'm surprised he hasn't been like fined by the FA over some of those comments he's made. Really. There's still time, I'd expect, but. I don't know. You, I mean, we, I think you even said it on there. Like, we love him for his passion at times, but you don't want it to get to a point where people are playing Carl Robinson bingo, uh, where it's like saying they care, they put in 100% effort, they fight for each other. All the stuff that you can reel out every time without, I don't know. And I always think, and I know there was a chat about this with some of the fans on Twitter talking about by constantly referencing protecting the players or not digging out the players is just reminding people that you think you should dig out. <laughs> like by just referencing that they need protecting is telling them that they should what, what be protected. What I find interesting is that people are quite always keen to sort of try out the line X or Y has lost the dressing room. And it is interesting over all of KR's times during the bad times, he doesn't ever seem to lose the dressing room. Like the players always seem to sort of respond to him and kind of you never or maybe they just keep a tight ship, I don't know. But it's almost like he plays on that so much and I'm always there going like I don't think I don't think you aren't fighting for each other or all kind of united. It's actually just it's different fundamentals that why it's not working. Yeah. I do I don't think he's lost No, I don't even dressing room. I think it's a but different it's I think different... it's more the quality of the team that yeah, we're putting out every week but to agree what he's what he's doing it's yeah 
So we we go on to Pompey away last night. Um, I thought that was probably the best half of football. Well, is that, I actually think it was better than Exeter. I thought it was the best um, half of football that we've had this season in terms of just looking, going to a side as good as Pompey and out of places difficult to go with 18,000 people there. And we definitely looked like the better side. And Do you know what I, I liked so much was that we defended like countless teams have against us all through the start of the season. Teams just making it in a really strong shape making it hard for the other team to play, making them run out of ideas and sort of go back on themselves. We were kicking the hell out of them. There's so many tackles going in. Um, everything just seemed to be fitting really well. And equally going forward, we weren't trying to play the perfect pass because we didn't have the most groundbreaking front three bar Marcus Brown. There was a moment where Brannigan just got the ball turned and just whipped it into the channel wasn't a particularly pretty ball or pretty football. And I wouldn't want us to play it like this all the time. But it was just the way we'd gone, look, this is what we've got. Let's just play within it. And then we don't do that enough. We still try and stick to the principles. And that's always one of my bugbears about KR. It's like, if we haven't got all the personnel, try and tweak it to a way that will work. And this was the first time I've seen it in a long while where we actually seem to be going, this is what we can do. It's not our identity, but it's going to work. And it did work. I don't know what our identity is anymore, but I completely well, yeah, agree yes. with you. Yeah. Um, Jack, what did you reckon first half performance? They were, like to John's point, I thought they were running out of ideas and they were crossing from deep. Still looked quite dangerous at times, but we were solid. I thought it was the perfect, yeah, pretty much the perfect away type of performance in a game where you know, in theory, on paper, whatever, you're going to be up against it, a team who are riding quite high, big crowd everything that John said, really. And, I mean, the goal was fantastic. Um, Best and, and actually, I've ever seen. Tone yeah, pun but, half volley. But, but to John's point, it came from a long, a long, long ball. <laughs> Very um, good. Where, you know, that's not really, or hasn't been at least, our identity. It was a, as much as it was a long ball, it was a measured long ball. It wasn't just a hopeful punt. Um and there's a brilliant bit of play by Odonko and, you know, Joseph, yeah, toe, toe poke volleyed at pace. I don't think there's many keepers stopping that at all. So really that that capped the first half, didn't it? We we set out our store, we limited Pompey to very, very little of any of any note. And on a couple of occasions we had a couple of bits that didn't quite come off in the penalty box. So, you know, it wouldn't have been unfair for us to be further ahead at half time, I don't think. Yeah. Connor, have you caught up on on the game? Yeah, I watched it. Oh, you watched it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, what did yeah you I watched it last night. What did you yeah. think about Odonka? Because for me, it, it, yeah. it, people were saying, oh, I feel that they felt a bit sorry for him being pushed into that game. Oh, he's only 18, isn't he? But he obviously had the assist, but he did look a bit, um, I don't know. He was more just there to keep players off others rather than... I don't know. Maybe I'm being too yeah, harsh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what more could you really ask from from his performance? To be honest with you, I mean, <clears throat> like I say, he's nine, he's eighteen years old. He didn't look match fit, but yeah, again, I think that was expect? more the thing, wasn't the it? The match, yeah. the match fitness of an eighteen-year-old in League One football when he's not actually played much of it in the past. You can, you can, you know, it will stick out like a sore thumb anyway. But I think from from what 
from his performance, he played. He did play well. I think again, his his assist for Joseph was fantastic. The way he had the ball up there. There was a few other um, examples of way he had the ball up, especially as he was playing against two real bruiser centre halves, yeah. particularly um, oh, his name Ragland. That's it. Yeah, the bucktooth lad um, with him. Yeah. So uh, you know, he's <laughs> I can't I can't resist that little dig. I can't stand that bloke. Um <coughs> excuse me. Um yeah, I thought he played really well actually for you know, given his role in the team. I think I think he played well. Of course Fair play. it was only a, was it sixty minutes he, it was a sixtieth minute he came off around that time, wasn't it? Didn't we put uh, Steve so Sedd in that front at that point? I don't know. Um <laughs> there was a moment where when Tyler Goodroom came on, he went for the I forget the Pompey's left back. Uh, but he just pushed him over and then kind of ran away <laughs> really quickly. But it really made me laugh. Is it Ogle? Um, Is it Ogleby oh, or something like that? Is that him? I don't, I don't like remember that, his name. Yeah, but he basically shoved him off the pitch, didn't he? Yeah, but I just thought yeah. it was great. And I just watched I watched the bloke heading towards Goodrum afterwards. And I was like, oh, God. Anyway. Um, I thought Billy Bowden's first yellow card was harsh. It was one of them where the ball comes like he already kind of pulled out of the challenge by the point contact was made, and it wasn't like it was a counter attack, a clear counter attack and stuff like that. So I kind of agreed with KR's comments on that first yellow being a bit soft, which, but I didn't agree with, but I did agree, sorry, with the fact that that second yellow was a yellow and it was just a stupid yeah. challenge. The second one was really really poor judgment from Bowden, given that he had two of his own players around him. Um, the, We'd had like you know, three the, or four the, hacks at the player, hadn't yeah, we? Yeah, but Bowden. he wasn't really going anywhere, and we, you know, he was just inside our in just inside our half. It wasn't like a crucial tackle to make, but it's things like it's you know it's things like that that completely shifted the, the focus of the game. Really, we we then became ultra defensive and were just really praying that we we'd be able to hold on. Um, and even when they did score, that was still the approach. Um, I think. Bowden has quite a lot to answer for for that. I think decision making wise, I think it was very poor, and I imagine his teammates were not very happy with him because I know I wouldn't have been if I was on the pitch with that happening. Yeah. Did you did you think Jack that it kind of ex- I know being down to ten men is difficult, but we obviously proved at Peterborough that games you don't necessarily lose all attacking momentum. But I know away at Pompey's a different story, but the quality of our bench seems to be really like showing up at the moment when it's, it's good Romanderson said and, and Rodriguez coming on and Bate is not getting a sniff, which says maybe says something about where he's at. Um, and then Jody Jones is still not getting in at all. So Ooh, set Jack off on Jody Jones. Go on. Well, it's a funny one because we obviously part, part, part of the issue last night was Brown had gone off with a knock before the red card. So you'd already reduce the front line, then you lose Bowden, and then the reaction is obviously to bring Anderson on for Odonko, but it all comes back to the la- not the poor recruitment, if you like, in the summer that we're looking at a bench and going, well, Bates been out injured and not massively impressed thus far. Gorin's clearly nowhere near where he was before his injury. You've then got a youth team, well, a first, second-year pro who's trying to make his way in the game. You've got Anderson, who looked like he was dressed to play five-a-side rather than 11-a-side professional football. And then Seddon, who gets bombed out of the team and then is suddenly your emergency kind of forward player. So that the game rather summed up this season in one, that we've got players missing from injury, 
a daft decision on the pitch. Your bench is lacking, and we basically played a obviously keeper five four formation for the rest of the game. Um, and yeah. actually, I thought we saw it out pretty well. Once once they'd scored, and that's a whole separate discussion. Did they create another out and out chance? Maybe one where Brown helped deflect it over the bar. Um, yeah, but we we looked pretty solid. I mean, we had no out ball whatsoever. It was just get it down the other end and hope. But I think there's a, there's a lot of credit to be put to everyone who finished the game on the pitch last night for just really battling in. For sure. I still don't... You didn't really say much about Jones, though, but I don't understand, for a player, how much football league experiences he had and some at a higher level. He's played, like, 100 games or something. I don't know. I just don't understand how... Why we've signed him. Well, it, yeah, we... It, We've signed him. He's played six minutes of League One football over three sub appearances and spent the rest of the time not in the squad or on the bench at a time when at least two of our wingers have been injured consistently. Because on paper, it's it's one of them where with Bowden out, you look to Saturday and we'll obviously look anyway, but wouldn't you potentially think about Joseph down the middle and having Jones and Brown flanking him or something along those lines? It's like, it's just on paper, it makes more sense but we don't know what's going on with him behind the scenes or how he's training or how fit he is or anything else but if he's uh, making the squad then well that that's what I was going to say if he's being included in the match day squad but there's no intention of putting him on the pitch then you might as well just stick one another youth team on the bench if you're not going to use that sub regardless of situation um availability etc it's it yeah it's a little bit odd hmm yeah, I'm troubled with that one. I just I just feel like we're at a point where we really need the, the extra wingers and you need that experience as well. Um, was that Pompey goal handball? There was a bit of debate about that. I was kind of just thinking if that was us that scored it, I'd I'd be I'd be taking that. So I don't know. Shoulder I haven't slowed it. it down enough to see exactly. I don't know what the rule is now. It's something about shirt sleeve, is it? Is classed as the below the shirt sleeve is classed as hand above it is not. I, don't, I mean, yeah, it it it's one of those where after like five watches and you're still not sure, then you probably yeah. have to let it go. Yeah, but the but... fact the fact the fact he went over to the lino suggested that one or both of them thought there was something dodgy about it. So it's really interesting to know. You will never know what the, how the conversation actually went when he went over. Because there was enough doubt in his mind to have a discussion. So something that one of them said got rid of the doubt in the other's mind. Well, it was a goal. I didn't think they created that much throughout the whole game anyway. I thought we did we did pretty well, as we kind of said. So it's a great a great point, one. And it gives us a little bit of something to take into um Saturday, which is which is good. Anderson, I still want to know what's what the deal is with him. And what he's going to bring to the team. John, your Lazio Italian dream is not playing out quite yet. I know. I, I just sort of thought that the Seddon Anderson Goodrum strike partnership tri- <laughs> trifecta or whatever was just going to unlock and he was just going to drill one from 25 yards. But um, yeah, we'll wait and see. Um, Jody Jones played 12, he had 12 appearances for Coventry last year. And obviously they're a championship side. Nine of those were in the league. 
So again, back to the thing of if he's got the quality to be getting into the side for a reasonable amount of games in the championship, then you know you just hope that he's knocking on the door. Um, right. Do we need to talk any more about where we're at with KR? There's a quick in summary before we look at what's gone on around League One and preview Bolton. But Connor, we'll start with you because we've the three of us have talked about this and and we've we've said we had this kind of prediction. I said four points from this run of four games was mine, and then these guys said minimum you need seven. And I saw others elsewhere in the OUFC community saying probably need seven. But do you think if we lose at Bolton? He's still. Well, how safe do you think he is, and what's your opinion on how safe he should be? I think he's safer than we all think he is. I think he's. I think he's safe. But I do, from personal perspective, just as a spectator and who's been around the club for a while, I don't. I don't think he should be safe at all. And that's coming from someone who, again, who has supported KI since he's been in the club. And I, I, I do back him and I do like him. But this season has been far below par. Not just things that have happened off the pitch, but also clearly now as the season has reached ahead of where we are now, 13, 14 games in the season, we are far off the pace on the pitch as well. And like you say earlier, I don't think he's lost a dressing room. I don't think it's that. I just, I just feel that we might be pushing towards a, a point in in his career at Oxford where we might be needing for some we might be needing change. The only issue is is if he does if he does get sacked or if he does leave, then you know who comes in to replace him. Is that something that is ongoing behind the scenes? I highly doubt it. Um, and I think if we don't pick up, I personally would think if we don't beat or we don't get a point at Bolton and then we don't get anything at Fleetwood, for example, I do think is you know for me it's almost time up. Because you just think, you know, the, these performances, This is, unfortunately, this industry is cutthroat and it's also a re- results-based industry. And he's not been hitting those those targets. Well, we should be in the league. You know, we'll be in the relegation zone if we come away from this next couple of games with one point. Um, and to be this far into the season and be in the relegation zone heading towards Christmas, for a team that was supposed to be up and around the playoffs, pushing for promotion again, questions have got to be asked. And unfortunately, the manager is the person who gets that in the throat more than any any other, um, as well as the players, obviously. Um, so I, I'm on. I'm still on the fence. Um, I just think it depends on the next couple of games. I do think he is kind of, for, for the fans' perspective, he's walking a very, very, very thin tightrope. Um, I, I heard at Exeter there were chants about KR yeah. out, and then, banners but then out. people were then singing. You know Robinson's yellow army quickly army. Yeah. to follow and stuff like that. Well, so he's dividing the fan base. I think he's it? yeah, I, but thing is, I think with Carl Robinson, he's always divided the fan base. Anyway, I do think he has had a certain population of Oxford fans who have never liked him, never really taken to him. Uh, maybe that's because of his um, his persona in, in the media and the way he comes yeah. across. Some people don't like it. He's very very defensive of his players, which you know I agree with personally, but I know some of you don't. Um, so. It, yeah, it's a tough one. I just think if you know if we if we see two three games down and you know from now onwards and we don't see any any better results coming our way, then I just think time might be up. But it's just who's going to replace him, Jack. And that's and that's also you know a discussion that we should have. 
Was was that your answer to Connor's question of who should replace him, or were you just Jack? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jack. yeah. I, I think Jack. for for me now, just looking at the table, our next game is game fifteen. So we've played fourteen games and we're four points above the bottom place and twenty three points behind I, I just, first. I just checked that if, as well. If if some if someone had said to me on day one of the season, after 14 games, that would be the position. Do you think the manager would still be in situ or be under no pressure? Then I'd have said no. So I I, I think on a results basis, we'll ignore the performances for now, on a results basis for a club that's said a lot about increased budget, signed some big names, top third, who we want promotion, da, 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 da. the current situation does not tick any of those boxes. Even if you suddenly go on a three-game winning run, you've got to rely on basically everyone above you, which obviously won't happen, not picking up maybe three points to even get anywhere close to pulling it back towards the playoffs. So you, you, you're going to be pushing towards 20 games and probably still going, God, the playoffs are a long way off, aren't they? Yeah. And if we've got, you know, it comes back to this question again, what is the ambition for this season now? We're a third of the way in, or will be a third of the way in. Are we at that point where we're happy to write it off and say, push for mid-table, go again the summer under Robinson? Do you make a change which maybe does no better? I I don't know what the answer is. And I on on the who who could come in to replace him. You know, and Neil Critchley is suddenly available after leaving with Gerard from Villa. But would he want to drop back down to a League One manager's job? Because he did well with Blackpool in the Championship. He could well get another Championship job. So there's not many names that scream replacement for me. Chris Wilder. <laughs> could you imagine? No. Um, John. But <laughs> final quick thing to add to all of that um, is that. We have a new chairman and a new CEO that haven't been in post for that long. Now they're experienced; they've been around football for a long time. I'm sure they're not afraid of pulling the trigger. But equally, it's a big call for them to make to someone who has been pretty ingrained into the football club, brought a reasonable amount of success, and I imagine is very bought into it all. Is able to talk the talk with them, buy them all into into it. How much do they want to? make it such a big call so soon so I think they won't be itching to get rid of him they'll want this to turn around and so I think that's why to Connor's point I think he is pretty safe but it's only going to take a couple of games before they go right let's take those half tinted glasses off and but I think this season is yeah you have to do you'd have to really turn the dial to say right we want to get playoffs this season that's what we need to do because it's a well-made point around the table. It's yeah. we, need, we, need, we need a 10-game run to change the dial. One of our classic KR yeah. 16-game unbeaten runs would be... I the, the, only, the main thing for me is that... And it's kind of... I don't know if this is defending KR, considering he's built this squad. But I, I don't think that lineup we're putting out is... I think it's a bottom half League One lineup most weeks at the moment. I know we've got like a so- relatively solid back defense that isn't pulling up trees, 
but it's still been pretty more solid than we've seen in other seasons. You've got two of the best midfielders in the league, um, but then you've got a very just random set of a front three that interchanges and seems to have not a lot of consistency there. But, but um, we've always played a we played a system that needs more out of its fullbacks or Arsenal's yeah, fullbacks. But that's what I mean. I, and also, Exeter, bar Exeter, we haven't won a game. We haven't deserved to win a game. <laughs> I, I know I we've won Ex- three other games, but I, I thought, we what was it? Cambridge, Cheltenham away. Uh, Burton at home. Burton at home. All of those games were crap wins, but still wins. Wins aren't crap, but you know what I mean. Like, getting over the line, itchy bum time style wins. Exeter was the first time we've turned the team over. And Pompey was a great, grindy performance where we just kind of dug it out. But I just that's the thing that worries me the most, is that I don't see the end of this football. And I actually thought, like, George Ellick made some points about saying, what is, the, what is Oxford's style of attacking now like what is it that we're trying to do that we should look for each week when we put this lineup out regard and maybe you interchange a couple of players but what's the, what are you expecting back to the identity point and i just still i think that's the problem um and it does come back to him doesn't it he's formed yeah. this squad and that stems so, that stems back to getting the midfield to have a particular way of playing and doing the right things i mean i didn't think not to be too negative it was good but Exeter, I thought, were well off it as well in that in that game and the way they were playing. So um, we we ran them over in midfield, though, didn't we? That yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying so, to take it away. From and they just beat in Barnsley too. But I know I know what you mean. But you got to play what's hmm. there, as they say. Yeah. Um. So as Jacks mentioned, Plymouth for 23 points ahead of us at the top of League One, albeit they played a couple of games more. Um. Ipswich having a good season. It looks like there's a chance, a real chance, that some teams are going to break away um, this this time round. But, you know, I am not thinking about the playoffs for one second at any point. I'm not, I don't even look at the table and think about it. Um, I'm more worried about the other side of things at the moment, to be honest. Um, any results standing out for people recently or any teams that are on good runs of form? picking up that we need to be conscious of for upcoming games? I mean, Plymouth and Ipswich just keep finding ways to win games. I think Ipswich beat Derby 1-0 last week and probably didn't deserve it. They were at 3-2 last night against Vale. They, you know, they grinded that out. Plymouth grinded it out. Like, the, the, as I say, I think the top three, possibly four, are starting to kind of show they're going to be in amongst it and then it's probably another two from quite a few clubs actually uh, yeah i was i was getting annoyed because i saw wickham they beat us then they beat peterborough at home then they beat mk dons away and again knowing how those that game went i just you kind of how are they winning three games in a row well we saw what they brought to the Kassam, but they're just wickaming people. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exeter is still up there, aren't they? Seventh as well. Um, next round of games then. Obviously, we got Bolton. Um, 
I think they they've had a couple of decent results recently. So they've played um their home form actually is quite alarming, I think, for us. They played eight, one, six, drawn one, lost one, but they haven't lost in their last five and they won four of them. Um their only defeat at home came to Wednesday back in August. But they've just grinded out a couple of wins, haven't they? So they had Accrington um who did was it Accrington? Yeah, they yeah, beat Accrington three two away, didn't they? Yeah, they come from behind against Accrington and Burton in their last two games after not winning for three. So it's kind yeah. of a bit of an annoying time to be playing them, especially given a couple of the players who went off injured last night may or may not be around. I mean, their game last night looked they were losing. They went one nil behind to Burton, and they were they were at home seventy third minute, and then they equalised eighty seventh minute and won it in the ninety eighth. So they're on one of those highs from that, but also you know on. I think that's a good sign for us that there's something to go and get at, isn't there? If Burton and Accrington are getting goals against them and pushing them right to the wire. so I mean, your point, def- your point about the home form is well made. You, you get the sense from odds and sods you see kicking about that they, whilst they're fifth, there's a little bit of not sure which Bolton's going to turn up about them. Yeah. Um, which is definitely something in that. I mean, if you look at like, their top scorers, it's like six players on two, two goals. I think they sort of chop and change their team a bit as well. So, I mean, we're obviously yeah, going to a fortress, as the cliche goes. Um, I don't think they're a sort of like in that sort of like up and rolling and just starting to steamroller teams, but they've definitely taken a step up from last season with the players they've signed and the, the, man, the attitude and the, the way they're taking the league on. Yeah, sure. they haven't scored in six of their fifteen games as well. Um, so you know, hopefully that solidity we may have found something in at the back. Um, we can grind something out again, but um, they seem to have distributed the goals around their players. Jack, you're usually the person we come to when we want to know about teams and players and stuff, but not many of the names were sh- were shining out to me. Um, was it well, Ka- the Affelan. the main Affleck, Kyle he was, Dempsey. Was he the was the one. one that scored that decent goal against us. Was it last season where he kind of cut in and then just sort of yeah. bent it? It kind of bounced over Stevens, I guess. The um, the thing about them that really stood out to me last night was just comparing their bench versus our bench. So they brought on Josh Sheehan, who I think is a class player, has played for Wales. Kieran Sadler, who is quite good at Rotherham. Kieran Lee, who's probably one of the better midfielders in the league. Um, Bod Varson, who's a decent striker and played a lot of games in the league above. And then Bakayoko, who again, is a decent striker and has played, played and scored goals in the league above. So when he can make five subs and they're the kind of players are bringing on when you're chasing the game versus our current situation off the bench, um, plus you add in their home form, I think you know we'll, we'll go probably being quite happy with a point. But equally, we have shown we can be quite solid, and you've, you've already touched on that. They don't; um, they're not they're not free scoring. So, depending how KR approaches it, and if we, you know if Brown's available, if Brannigan's available, they've obviously got weaknesses because, like you say, Accrington and Burton have had some joy against them in the last couple of games. So, it's one of those games we don't know what Bolton will turn up, but we bloody don't know what Oxford's going to turn up. No, you finished me off after naming those substitutes. That was, <laughs> that was very depressing. Yeah, 
Um, predictions then, lads. Jack, stick with you. Uh, I think we'll win one 0 <laughs> I, I I don't know. I just feel like there's it's the kind of thing we do under I'll Carl Robinson. That. Connor. Four two. Ah, oh, to who? Bolton. Ah, oh, okay. No, I'm joking. <laughs> four two. Just pulling out a four two. Yeah, just who's scoring the goals? Matty Taylor, Billy Bowden. Oh wait, hang on. Matty Taylor. Um, <laughs> sure. Um, Yannick Wildshut. Wildshut and Jody Jones. Jody Jones. We're living in a fantasy land. So am I with the scoreline? Um, I think it will be 4-2 and I think Brannigan will score, I think... Four penalties. <laughs> yeah. I think Finley will score a header from a corner, finally. And I think... From a throw-in. Kieran Brown will throw the ball in. <laughs> and, then <I> think, <laughs> and then I think Carl Joseph will back two as well. There you go. There's my completely out there prediction, okay. which will not happen. But if it does, quote me. John? I can't even think what the team's going to be. Like, <laughs> I'd, I'd two all. Let's let's say it's just a bit of a madhouse, and we, yeah, I'm two gonna go a madhouse. What did I just say? <laughs> True, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say two one, and I reckon it, hopefully we'll have a similar performance to the Pompey game. I think if we didn't, if Bowden hadn't got sent off, I think we'd have had a really good chance of winning that one nil the other day. I mean, Henry's. We need Henry back. Because yeah. starting to run out of people to even be in the first eleven, that was what I was in tears about. Again, they haven't lost at home in their last five, so it's going to take something special. But um, definitely agree with you. Need need Henry back. I still am interested to see if Goring can come back into that midfield. Um, maybe put Henry right wing if you were then doing that or something like that. Jody Jones situation be good to get some clarity on that. But yeah. I'll take I'll take a a two one, and some anxiety at the end. Um, but it's my first game for a while, so I'm quite excited to just go and see see how we get on. It's not the easiest to get to, is it? That's the only thing. It's one of them. Anyway, right. Closing thoughts after this. Who have we got? We've got Port Vale. There's some FA Cup games as well, isn't there? Coming up. Yeah, and there's rearranged games as well. Fleetwood and Shrewsbury. Oh yeah, I need to update the fixture list of Truth. I mean, if we scrape, if we scrape through the sort of easier set, Port Vale, of Port Vale, Forest, Accrington, you've then actually got Barnsley, Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich over Christmas. <laughs> Lovely Christmas period, isn't it? That is another what we're doing now potential knockout. I'm yeah. so excited about the Sheffield Wednesday so cr- Christmas special. Just for the sake of it being hopefully a great away day. I've got good memories from last year. Um, I quite liked our batches of games, so we, we've, we'll we do that again. It's like bringing back the Appleton vibes, isn't it? Your chunks of matches. So we've said four points. It sounds like we've all predicted we're winning, which just means we're going to be up to seven, which is kind of what you, Jack and John, had said. And you weren't even sure if that was enough. So... um. We'll see. Hopefully next time we're podding, it will be uh, ultra positive and everything will be happy. Huzzah. Any closing thoughts? Notes? Things? 
Everyone looks worn out. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say stick with the boys and just, you know, if you can make it, make some noise, get behind them, see if we can actually pick up a few points on the road. And uh, yeah, there you go. There's my motivational speech for all of I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, Connor. I'm running into the sea right now. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm tired as well, so can we just end this now? Before, yeah. You know. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks. Much love. See you later. Bye. Mm-hmm.